you know Pentakill is playing in the background, right? <laughs> yeah. You know Pentakill is playing during this, and do not convince me otherwise. Well, you it's can't. only playing if Crush Forty is you know busy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, facts. Those are absolute facts. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, part seven of our Star Guardian special, and the last part of the Twin Star story. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hetch. Uh, and the key part is that it's the last part of the story, <laughs> not the last of the Star Guardians, or Stardians, as I love to say. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty more, uh, but there's always housekeeping. So up top. You can listen to us everywhere. Contact us at podcastcore at gmail.com if you have anything you want to say. Uh, visit us at podcastcore.com for all of our info. And then follow us on any platform that you prefer to use or all the platforms because that helps us with discoverability. And we appreciate that. And then leave a, you know, a like, a comment, or a short review. But the easiest way, the simplest way is word of mouth by telling a friend to spear the heart of darkness by listening to Casuals of Runeterra podcast. That is is disgusting. (laughs) Why are you like this? (laughs) So real quick, just a real quick recap. We do this at the top of every part. If you've made it to part seven, congratulations. There's your badge of honor. Um, But quick recap of where we came from. So we did the intro to the main team. We did the Camp Targon trip where we meet the veteran team. We did the slumber party, which that was fun in between type thing. We then did the bios for the veteran team. The park incident, Ari Gaiden. And then Ari Gaiden comes back in and we end up at Twin Stars where we've done part one and two so far. And we're finishing up today with part three. And uh, as far as like the badge of honor that we're handing out for being at seven episodes, we're in the process of making other ones for eight. Um, (laughs) And so there's going to be a bunch of different ones. Uh, But as far as the the details of where we're leaving off or where we're picking back up from is specifically after uh, Zoe is about to finish her transformation. Um, I probably should have started with this, though. A little bit of a Mm. spoiler if you haven't listened to part six. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can't help it at this point. A little late for that. But so Zoe is now transforming into this absolute, like, almost global-sized monstrosity. And Zaya and Rakan uh, have were kind of having, you know, a borderline like coming to Jesus talk. If you're from the South, uh, border- coming <laughs> to Jesus talk with Sarah and Ari about how much they kind of got screwed over with the way that they were left behind. And Rakan is encouraging Zaya's anger while also winking at Ari. Mm-hmm. And Ari, we get this, you know, the reminder that she is a fox girl because she can hear whatever Rakan is whispering to Zaya. And they give each other kind of like a, you know, kind of like a nod and like, yeah, we know the plan right before Zoe is about to attack. 
And that is where we kind of left off here. It's like, oh, well, what's going on between Rakan, Zaya, and Ari? But we can't worry about it too much because Zoe's about to just, you know, one punch man the planet. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. So we start with chapter 11 here, which is called Reunited. And this goes back to the focus of Kaisa and Akali, where during all this excitement, the earthquake began. And then Akali threw herself on top of Kaisa. And luckily, she noticed the Guardians have, like, cleared a path to a jungle gym, right? We've talked about this jungle gym before in the past episodes. It seems to have significance <laughs> across all the stories. So they start making their way towards there because there's no stars that are attacking that specific area, luckily. So the two start making their way toward the structure, and they start to notice that all the damage that's happening, like the puddles of goop, are starting to reverse and head back towards the sky where Zoe is. So once they make it to the jungle gym, they're like, okay, that's weird. But also there's see these stone eggs nearby that are hatching. And what comes out of them? Those dark butterflies we've seen before, but in bigger groups. And they start attacking the Star Guardians, but also Rakan and Zaya. Which kind of, you know, plays into this whole hang, like uh, cliffhanger that we had with the last chapter of like, why is Rakan and Zaya, or specifically Rakan kind of agreeing with what Ari's saying here, despite the fact that he's telling Zaya that they were left for dead and that they are hated and that they should kill everyone. It's like, well, all of a sudden now Zoe's just attacking everyone and uh, they kind of get this... um, like they are setting it up in in the story that it's, Zoe doesn't really have full control over who she attacks. It, it is just big attacks, and they're everybody's in the way. Um, and it's funny because they are big attacks, which is why it's actually attacking everyone. But they're small little butterflies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like leave it to Zoe as a character to be like, yeah, no, we're not going to have like these big sweeping motions of just like, yeah, bring in the production team to have the animation quality. <laughs> no, it's just going to be clouds of little bugs. And that's the big attack. It's the smallest <laughs> thing she can make. <laughs> so as they're fighting and things are going on, we're still focused on Kaisa and Akali. And Kaisa's kind of lost in thought during all of this, while all this insanity is going on. And, you know, Kaisa's the dreamer, Akali's the realist, and Akali's kind of, they're having this back and forth about what's going on. And Kaisa told her, it's all going to work out, right? We're going to, everything's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. And Akali couldn't really find a reason to believe her because of everything Akali has experienced up to this point. And this is... um Kind of a little bit of foreshadowing, uh, and we get to see it in like some of the other music videos and stuff, that uh, it seems that Akali and Kaisa do later on in the music videos, like their outfits aren't the same, so they may not be a part of the same team. And that's very much the thing of like the dreamer and the realist, uh, is like we're kind of getting that here of just, no, everything's going to be fine. How is everything going to be fine? There are buildings falling over. I literally was trying to dig out a dead body from a building because I thought it was you, Kaisa. What do you mean it's all going to be fine? Like, this was happening earlier, and now there's this giant thing literally destroying the city. Uh, But we it's fun because this conversation's not in depth because the whole time they're running for their lives. (laughs) They're running for their lives while the Star Guardians are also just trying to, like, survive while keeping these two kids alive. Yeah. Exactly. And the part that 
kind of shifts the tone here is when Sarah, who's reached her limit, which we thought she reached her limit before, but she ends up stumbling over to the jungle gym and she's just beat up. In the last part, we talked about how she's been the punching bag of these last couple stories and these last couple chapters, but she collapsed and she's barely kind of holding on to consciousness. But weirdly, at this point in time, she seems to be as optimistic as Kaisa, which is uncharacteristic. And she even says, you know, herself, friends are worth fighting for. And she says it multiple times while having like this faint smile on her face, which is kind of, it's, it's a relief from our standpoint, right? Because for somebody who's been going through so much, they did a really good job of bringing Sarah to the forefront of these stories, in my opinion. So having this moment of, it seems like a uh, refreshing moment for her, even though it's still madness going on around her. Uh, It's also, it's also nice to have because this all the way up to this point in the stories, over 10 chapters of the story, we have been kind of getting comparisons of Sarah to Lux. And, you know, Lux is the anxious one. She's the overthinker. And this whole time, Sarah has been that, whereas all the other times we see it from Lux's point of view, Sarah's just, you know, kind of a little standoffish, but she's a soldier. Like, she knows her job. She does her job. And that's it. So now we kind of get, even though she is like almost practically like dragging herself on the ground to do like to go to Akali and Kaisa because she's still on babysitting duty because of how wounded she is. You know, she's back to her normal self of just like, no, like the squad is here. We all have our role. I will now fulfill my role and everything's going to be okay. And so it's nice to get that again because it's just like, man, they're, Everyone is just so anxious right now, which yeah. makes sense because the city is literally being destroyed. But it's like, oh, thank God. And now it's just Lux over here overthinking, and we can deal with that. <laughs> that that was a, we, we only need one. We don't need multiple people trapped in that. <laughs> so with Sarah back on babysitting duty, um, Ari looks over to Rakan and Zaya and nods to them, and they kind of look up to where Zoe is. And Rakan comments to Zaya, and she's kind of like, do we have to? And then soon after, hesitantly, they step next to Ari and Nico's side, and they prepare to stop the madness together. And then the butt rock kicks in. Oh, man. You know, like, I get it. I get it. Um, Spoilers for anyone who hasn't read the bios yet, because we haven't covered this bio yet. Um, I get that Seraphine is going to be a Star Guardian. (laughs) I get that Akali... And Kaisa are Star Guardians. So, you know, we're looking at the KDA members, but you know Pentakill is playing in the background. All right. <laughs> yeah. You know Pentakill is playing during this, and do not convince me otherwise. Well, you it's can't. only playing if Crush 40 is, you know, busy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, facts. Those are absolute facts. <laughs> So this ends the chapter and takes us to chapter 12, The Grand Exit. So Sarah finally allowing herself to remember all the time she spent with her friends uh, before Zoe tore them apart. Like we said, she's now in more positive mind space, which is good when you have corruption on your back. But at this moment, Kaisa points up uh, to where Zoe is and they look and then they see Zaya getting smacked down to the back to not earth, but back to the ground and she's hurtling 
And at first, they see the streak of Rakan. They're like, okay, cool. His light is following her. Rakan won't let anything happen to her. And his shield will be able to protect her on impact. So there's hope there. But although he hits the ground and immediately gets back up, if you play the game, you know how Rakan works. Zaya is struggling to do so because she's being held down by tendrils of corruption. And we've gotten to see like a good bit of like how ridiculously painful and powerful this corruption can be just because of the fact that misfortune got hit a glancing blow on the on her back from one of zoe's attacks and the corruption is still has her suffering and like we get we get a really like you know kind of a big picture of just how painful it is for sarah in this scene too like she still hasn't recovered but zaya upon when you know they we get a closer look at zaya as far as how deep the corruption is in her she's got it bad yeah it's so much worse that's what like this is the, the when they describe it that's like okay this is how you know medical workers feel when they get to a terminal patient and it's like well nothing we can do good luck yeah yeah and we get some a break with some levity here with Lulu wandering over nonchalantly as ever. We talked about our last episode. If you listen to the intro, <laughs> um, she goes, she taps Rakan on the shoulders, kind of like, well, that looks bad. Anyways, I need your assistance. And after they chat a little bit, he's like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. He picks her up and launches her hurling towards Zoe and she yes. starts to grow in size until she's about half the size of this massive Zoe ball. Yes. And she headbutts her in the stomach. Yes. She has become picks. <laughs> if I can't if throwing picks doesn't work, I'll throw myself. I become picks. <laughs> and I like you know we I've been talking about it so much of just like it it's kind of been Oh, a bit of a pet peeve for me of just that Lulu keeps becoming the damsel in distress in these stories. And nah, not for twin stars. For twin stars, Lulu is just having the time of her life. Because like you said, it, this even opened up with her taking a look at a basically dying Zaya and going, oh, well, that sucks. Anyways, <laughs> she, she doesn't care. She, she's having the time of her life right now, and I, I just love it. I love that we get to see this in Lulu. Yeah, she's in her own world. And now we get to the part where this chapter wraps up, which is what everyone was talking about on Twitter. Everyone was like, oh, fuck. My feelings, this is where the tears come. So after he does that, Rakan turns back, looks at Zaya, and he starts to become ser serious because he knows what he has to do, right? We know his moveset. So he grabs her by the hand, and she starts yelling and trying to yank away because, like Hetch mentioned, she's, like, grotesque. Like, her hands are turning into, like, literal, like, bird hands. If this was D&D, &D, she would be considered a monstrosity at this point. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like, they, they can also see the corruption, like, moving under the surface of her skin, yes. too. Like, it, it, it's in deep, and... Uh, it is at this point that Rakan knows that the only way to save Zaya is to take on the corruption himself. But he does have a plan. Yes. Um, and during that time, even Ari and Neko see what he's doing. They try to intervene, but his shield is around them, kind of keeping the rest of the group out. And Ari's like, man, I wish there was something else we could do because he's determined to do this. So... After he takes on the corruption, they the way they describe it is 
gross. Like the, it's oozing out of his mouth and out of his eyes, but he still has a smile on his face, like a Joker-like smile. And then he looks at Zoe and he takes off in that direction. And Lux and the rest of the team noticing start to back him up. So Lux uses her powers to help guide him um, through uh, Zoe's corruption. And then also Ari's behind him with her Foxfire as a bolster. And he's able to pierce Zoe's magical barrier with a combination of the corruption, Zoe's magic, and the help from the rest of the team. And then for a moment, there's this pure darkness in the area and then a burst of light across Valoran. And they're gone. Yep. Uh, and like this is uh, especially for veteran League of Legends players. We all know that this is the scene that needs to be animated. And the background music can't be one of the Riot songs. It has to be Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> because everyone knows that that's how you honor a support that gives their life for the AD carry. <laughs> yeah. If only every support could feel this in game. <laughs> hey, hey, I, as someone who's played a lot of support, I do feel this when I buy Magi's on support Lux. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so this takes, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, the, the everyone knows that the biggest reason that this is like the most trending moment though is that it's like oh my god true love mm -hmm. and it, it is beautiful like they keep painting the picture that rakan and zaya are in love together but the, this is like the biggest example that we're ever gonna get of like yeah they got it yeah yeah there was plenty of fan art <laughs> let's just say that plenty. So yeah, chapter 13 is the follow-up called Faltering Perspective, and we swap focus back to Colleen Kaisa. So they're under the jungle gym, and after Rakan kind of strikes Zoe, there's this blinding burst of light, but Akali's still having, like, she's still trapped in the moment that they were just in with all the chaos happening, and Kaisa points out, they did it. They won. It's over. I was right, right? Like, we, we didn't have to worry, and even though Zoe's gone and the gardens were back on the ground, Akali's still could tell by looking at Zaya that the pain she was feeling is almost worse than before when, you know, she was corrupted, right? And Akali and Kaisa start to have this argument again, going back and forth on whether this counts as winning, right? Like, what, who who won here? And Akali mentions that Zaya's lost Rakan not once, but twice. She will never be the same person. The Zaya you know is dead, despite corruption being cleansed. And then Kaisa's like, well, but... Rakan didn't just save Zaya, he saved the world, he saved Valoran, he saved everyone, so that's the sacrifice that saved us. And at that point it comes up, the original argument that started this whole thing, where Kaisa reveals that the volunteer work she was trying to do, that she felt kind of overwhelmed with, was helping kids after school who had nowhere to go, so that they wouldn't get in trouble and they wouldn't feel lost and they would have somebody similar to a collie in the past with the dog. And this this kind of plays more into that foreshadowing that, you know, we mentioned earlier of Kaisa, you know, trying to encourage Akali that everything's going to be okay and uh, Akali not seeing that. And, um, like, I do like the angle that they're taking. It's not necessarily a, an original angle, but it is a, a good angle, which is, you yeah. know, like the the strength of human emotions and human connections. Uh, and of course, one of the most popular versions of this would probably be, God, I hate to mention it, uh, Star Wars and the first three movies and it's Anakin's attachments to Padme, 
yeah. and family, and it's ah, it make you weak. It will. Um, so, Akali's <laughs> uh, attachment to Kaisa and her the way that she cares for Kaisa is you know kind of really creating that divide and this rift within her that you know is very different from Kaisa, and it's because she cares about Kaisa that much. Because you you can tell that she's putting herself in Zaya's shoes of like, how would I feel if I lost Kaisa? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it, can you say that's a win? I, uh, I get it. I get it. it. It's a good angle. It's a really good oh, angle. Yeah. But it, uh, and like for the, me, this was, this whole conversation was more heartbreaking for me than Rakan giving himself up for Zaya. Yeah. It's just that, like that oh, one. That one was for the fans. Yeah. This that one's is, for the heart. Yeah. Exactly. Took the yeah. words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so Akali even goes further and she makes Kaisa promise. They do the pinky promise thing. You get the shot of the bracelets touching. And she promises not to leave things, leave her out of things in the future when she's doing these, these, you know, things that she feels overwhelmed with. And even though she promises, Akali does still feel uncertain. And then we get this glimpse here of some darkness appearing inside of Akali. So the last line of this chapter I want to read, it says, Akali buried pain deep inside where a tendril of darkness unfurled within the chasm in her heart. And that's obviously foreshadowing, right? That's what Hetch was referencing. Yeah, like it, we've gotten a lot of foreshadowing as far as Akali's character, but this really does like paint the picture better. Like instead of having an outline, we can really see everything in color. Uh, only beef I have with this scene is that Riot insisted on explaining to everyone in detail what a pinky promise was and how it worked. Um, I'm pretty sure every English speaker knows what a pinky promise is. You can just say they pinky promised. Why did I have to read three sentences describing how they were interlocking their fingers? That word count. I, either that word count or there's somebody that's <laughs> freaky out there about Kaisa and Akali's pinkies. <laughs> and I don't want to meet that person. I did, I don't want to know them. They did the pinky promise with their feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to see the pinky promise, subscribe to our OnlyFans. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, so this, so this takes us to personally, and this is a disclaimer here, one of the most divisive chapters I have read up to this point. We're on part seven. I want to say disclaimer here because this this chapter does both one of the best things I like in this story and one of the worst things. So starting with the best, you know, the good news. So the Star Guardians, so this is called chapter 14, A Blistering Light. The Star Guardians begin their search and rescue for survivors in the area, except Syndra. She bounces off and immediately starts bouncing world to world, <laughs> saying she's looking for Zoe, but we never know what the fuck she's doing. <laughs> yeah, like it only continues to build the distrust. And, you know, the destruction of the environment still remained after Zoe's defeat, right? It didn't go away. The buildings are still destroyed. Civilians are still dead. And Zoe's spells actually lingered. So, like, there's bubbling goop that's still kind of in place. And they're trying to figure out what to do about it. And Soraka has some ideas, but they don't get that far. And then in addition to all of this, the identities and the existence of the Star Guardians on this planet are now known to the general public. And that's huge. So this first chunk is the realistic angle of what's happening, right? This is what in like early comics you didn't really get. You just say, oh, we got big battles, whatever. And then it cuts to 
you know, them having fun again or doing whatever. No, no, no. Things happened. This was like a nuke going off, right? There is stuff we now need to take care of because Star Guardians aren't just about fighting battles. They're about protecting the people of the planet. So that's a really good point to start off this chapter. I, and like, I mean, it's a great point because there's an entire Marvel hero that is basically built around the concept of keeping his personal life away from his superhero life. Cough, cough, Spider-Man. Cough, <laughs> cough. And it, and it is, you know, the joke, like it becomes a joke when everyone figures out that it's Peter Parker and then it puts, and then it's just constantly from that point on. Ah, it's Peter Parker. Let's endanger all of his close friends mm-hmm. and relatives. That's it. So it's like it does set up the stage for tension. I I kind of wish that we would see a bit more of it in this final chapter, but they like all they say is that it's like, yeah, some of the members are positive about the idea of everyone knowing their Star Guardians. And that's it. Like that's all we get. And it's like, no, they there that would create some tension. Don't lie yeah. to me. <laughs> There's a story there. Um, and now we get to the part of this whole story that I don't like. <laughs> so after all this, Zaya's like, I'm going to find Rakan. He's dead. All right. In my mind, we've done this whole back and forth. We've done this game. We've had the sacrifice. Leave him dead. Do not create some other reason for moving this story along. You Listen, we can figure that out. We can do a revenge plot. We can do, hey, stop it from happening to someone else. Do not bring him back. But alas, she's going to go find him because she says he's still alive and I came back. So that's her decision. And then Sarah's like, well, shit, I'm going with you <laughs> because she doesn't want to make the same mistake again. So the reason I'm saying like this is the part I really don't like is because, you know, when you're telling a story, you want to stick the landing, right? And for them to do these two simple things at the end here kind of unravel everything they've worked for. Because living with the mistake is something that Sarah had to do. Zaya coming back is miraculous, but you can't keep doing it. Like, Rakan's died twice. That's a big deal. What he's done, his sacrifice, should live on in some different way than him existing and having to go find him again, in my mind. Um, but Zaya being skeptical of Sarah, they go back and forth a bit. She's like, do you really care? And then Zaya says, whatever, and then takes off. And then Lux and her team are like, well, shit, we'll join you to search and follow, uh, Zaya. And I'm like, what are we doing? We're, we're completely, I'm sorry. This is where it all <laughs> falls apart completely. Um, I, I will, I will play a little bit of devil's advocate. I'm not the biggest okay. fan either of yeah. like bringing Rakan back. And it's specifically because of the fact that they did die once already. Twice. Um, uh, Yeah, so Rakan twice. Um, (laughs) But, like, I'm okay with the idea of if they can find Rakan again, because maybe that's the way that they open up the book on describing to the audience how they were able to come back from the dead the first time. Okay. Like maybe this is a way that we get to learn more about how the corruption works, where the corruption comes from, yada yada yada. Uh so I don't hate that too much. I I would prefer Rakan to be dead though, because yeah. like not just because of like you know, he's already died once, so just stop it. This isn't Dragon Ball. Um <laughs> but mainly because this time it wasn't him being killed. It, for him, it was a sacrifice. Like he yeah. took on the corruption from Zaya, 
and gave up his life so Zaya could live. Like, you know, like, let that mean something. It won't mean anything if he comes back. Yeah. Because then it's just like, then it's Dragon Ball. It's like, okay, crap, I'm dead. Bring me back in seven years, y'all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like um, in Final Fantasy VII. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So, so for all of my Final Fantasy VII fans, you remember when Kate Sith, spoilers if you haven't played it, when Kate Sith sacrificed himself. He did a turn, he was a double agent, and he sacrificed himself so that they could progress the story, which was important. It was important, yeah. And then a second Kate Sith showed up. <laughs> uh... And it was just Kate Sith too. And it meant nothing at that point because it's like, oh, yeah, he's a robot and we made a second one. So here you go. I mean, key point. It meant nothing at that point. It's like, oh, no, our Kate Sith got to go back down to Walmart and get our value pack. (laughs) And I'm going to I'm going to piss off some people here. If you if Final Fantasy seven is your favorite Final Fantasy, I've lost some respect for you. (laughs) Oh, no. no. I am setting my foot down. (laughs) Thank goodness this is set in part seven, which no one will listen to. <laughs> They're still talking about Star Guardians? It's like, how perfect for it to happen in part seven, right? It all lines up. This is all according to plan. Yeah. But we finished the story. Yeah. Right? Spoilers. We're going off a script. We're going off a script. This is, Kate says is not in this. <laughs> so Sarah and Ari and Neko kind of stay behind for a bit, and they're having a heart-to-heart where they're talking about, you know, what's been on Sarah's mind this whole time. And Sarah brings up the past again. And finally, Ari breaks character, right? She breaks down in tears about all the pressure she's been feeling since everything happened, the decisions she had to make. And Sarah finally understands that the main issue of all of this is during their time as Star Guardians being veterans, it was just battles, right? They looked at battles, but they kind of forgot about how important their friendship was, their teamwork and everything involved in that, the world around them. It wasn't just mission after mission after mission, no matter how good they were at it. And then, you know, the sun begins to shine, the corruption on Sarah's back begins to heal, which shows her finally accepting everything, right? That's just a metaphor, a pretty simple one. Uh, and that's where we end up wrapping up our twin star story. Yeah, Um and, and this heart to heart like sets up the the stage to continue on their story better in my opinion than the idea of actually bringing Rakan back. Like it, it's more of just like, hey, like Ari, Ari has finished her current quest. She has found Rakan, Zaya, and Nico. She's done what she could to reunite her team, to fix the past, and like it, and it really just puts the final. A note on it of when she you know breaks down of like do you have any idea of how much i've gone through too like you were you know how you feel you think i'm immune to it come on uh and <laughs> so like for me this sets up the stage better because it's like we, all we kept learning was just how disjointed their team was and now it's like they can finally you know put the team back together uh, except now they, you know, Ezreal's got more chicks to look at. So, you know, yeah, he's happy. Yeah, uh, he's, he's not jealous. only is there more chicks, the other dude is gone. So yeah, <laughs> and remember, one thing we want to keep consistent is when there's more Star Guardians in one place, the worse it gets. <laughs> remember and, that. It's and a key that rule. is 
that is another like beef that I have with this is that you know they're they're gonna go world hopping to find Rakan, but Ari still hasn't explained what she means about that to Lux yet. Yeah. So Lux is like, no problem. I'll bring a, I'll bring my group of five with you. Yeah. It's like, no, no, there's so many of y'all together now. Did you see what Zoe did here? Yeah. Have we forgotten? <laughs> Have we learned nothing? So where we leave off, you know, I, I mean, it's taken three parts. Once again, thanks for sticking around. But I want to talk about, you know, I went hard on the last bit here because I do think it faltered on the ending a good bit, but the overall story I enjoyed, I enjoyed this kind of romp. I enjoyed where they've taken the story over all this stuff we've done so far um, and where they're going to take it next. And I, the, the interesting part in all this for me is Akali, right? Because from Akali's story, uh, once again, another nerd reference, uh, the character that comes to mind to me is Ahsoka. Right, like Akali in both her existence with Shen and Zed and all of them, and then in this world, how she's kind of in between the two understandings of like what Zaya and Rakan were doing versus what you know the Star Guardians see as this grand destiny type thing. Um, and you can kind of think of Syndra as well, where she's an in between thing, where. You mentioned, you know, Akali, and this is before we have information from the other stories, right? We're, we're with the information we have. I look at it, and I'm like, this is how I would expect Ahsoka to behave in this situation. How do you feel about that? Uh, okay, I need to it, make sure I'm hearing this right. What, like, you mean Ahsoka from, like, Hunter x Hunter? No, from Star Wars. Clone Wars. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, I no. Was like, I was like, wait, what? Uh, Where are uh, you Soka. getting this? Ahsoka. Uh, no, not Ahsoka. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not he, Soka. Yeah, because okay. she's more of that neutral. That was... She has a neutral mindset, right? As far as, yeah. you know, it's more realistic. It's not purely the Jedi whimsical nonsense that doesn't work. Um, but she's also definitely not a Sith type situation, yeah. right? Like I, that kind of stuff. Like even, even a third within, party. Even within this story, yeah. I would still compare it more to. Like it's keeping it within like the Star Wars realm, I would compare it more to Anakin, where it is okay. like, um, well, it's that sense of like I want to do like the right thing, <clears throat> but for me the right thing is keeping this person safe, and I okay. will do whatever it takes to keep this person safe. Oh, okay. so because yeah. like, like uh, Anakin started like in the movies, Anakin like started having the visions of like Padme dying. Yeah. And it was like, I can't let that happen. I will move heaven and earth to prevent that from happening. And that's what opens him up to the dark side. Yeah. Um, so whereas like us like Ahsoka, like she like she's more of just like a kind of like a a vigilante on a leash. You know, okay. like she she's she's gonna get the job done. She doesn't care how she gets the job done, yeah, but it's gonna get done. And you're still going to be okay with the results. And you can talk. You, it's like, you can give me all the shit you want when the job is done, yeah. but it's going to get done. Okay. And it's like, you, so you can either help or get out of my way. Good point. Good point. Uh, but we're, for Anakin, it's always more about like a selfish reason. Because Ahsoka okay. was definitely more selfless because at the end of the day, she did everything for the big picture. Yeah. Whereas Anakin did it for the people he loved. 
Okay, that, that is a better fit. That is a better fit. But overall, as far as like your final thoughts on the story, how do, how do you feel that, now that we've done all the parts of Twin Stars? I I really enjoyed Twin Stars. Um, like it, this one compared to the other short stories that we got, really did feel like it gave us more flesh to the world. Um, like and not just like to the world, but also to the characters, because the most that we've really gotten so far has just been the bios in reality. Yeah. Um. And then the other comics that we got, since all of them were only from Lux's perspective, we really only learned a lot about Lux and what Lux thinks about the other guardians around her. Whereas this one, like, we get to see multiple perspectives, so we kind of get a better picture of everybody because we get to see everyone from different eyes. And it also gives the feeling of like the galaxy is living and breathing because mm-hmm. it's, as soon as this is done we're going world hopping to try to find Rakan. yeah so it's like i'm interested to see how they translate the other worlds like is it, is it gonna be you know more like new planets and stuff like things that we can't compare to runeterra or are the planets going to be themed out of the regions of runeterra and that's what i'll be curious to see okay yeah, it's it's we're like we said, it's not over yet. So we finished this story, but there are more parts to come, and you don't want to miss those. If you made it this far, why not? Why not continue down this path that we've trapped you in? And if you made it this far, you know that they're Stardians, and you're gonna keep coming back for more Stardians. <laughs> so as always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with the next Stardian episode. I got him to say it. (laughs) All right. Take care, everybody.